Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. If you have a Bible this morning, open it with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, today we're going to give our attention to verses 21 through 34, Mark 4. 21 through 34. In our text today, Jesus is continuing to teach in parables. He began this uh, last Sunday as we looked in Mark 4, verses 1 through 20. Jesus taught the parable of the soils, and he continues in that format to both uh, conceal truth from those who are not receiving his word and have hardened their heart to the word that he is preaching and proclaiming, but also to reveal truth uh, to his followers, to those who are part of the kingdom of God. And today what we have is Jesus giving us four short parables, four short parables that highlight how the word of God works in the child of God. So it's four parables about the word at work. So if you have your Bibles open, let's hear the word of God this morning. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse 21. And he, and that is Jesus, and he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, than the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. Let's pray once more. Heavenly Father, we give our thanks to you now for this, your holy word. And we ask today that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word. And Father, I pray that you would use your word today to accomplish your eternal purposes. May your word go deep into us, that our roots may go deep into Christ, that fruit may abound for your glory. 
For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday, as we considered the parable of the soils, Jesus, in part, seemed to be responding to some questions, perhaps coming from his disciples. Why so few committed followers? Jesus was surrounded by great crowds everywhere that he went to teach and to preach, but yet few within the crowd would commit their lives, would buy into his message, would follow him as their savior. And in response to that inquiry, Jesus gives us the parable of the soils to to help us understand that it's the response of the people to the word that indicates whether they are in the kingdom or out of the kingdom. And so many do not listen and receive the word. Their hearts are hardened to the word. Their hearts are shallow in regards to the word, meaning it may be there for a moment, but it doesn't take root. And some, although the word is received, it's not long till other concerns and cares in the world choke out any fruit that the word might produce. But the good heart, Jesus says, is like good soil. One hears the word and accepts it, and fruit is born out of that into their lives in varying degrees, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. And so Jesus in that parable is is giving us an understanding of who is in the kingdom and who's out of the kingdom. Jesus says it's only the person who hears the word of God and receives the word, which in turn produces fruit in their life. That person is my follower. That person knows me. That person is in the kingdom of God. I shared last week that it is not so much the profession of faith that should give assurance of one's salvation as it is the production of fruit. Nowhere in Scripture do we see the biblical authors calling us to remember a date, a time, or a place. Now, that's not unimportant. Many of you sitting here, you can think back to the day and to the time in which you made your commitment and turned away from your sins and surrendered your life to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. You can remember the place and the preacher, maybe even the sermon that he preached that day or who was with you in that moment. That's not unimportant. That's a good thing for you to reflect on and to think upon. However, the Bible does not use that as a standard or a test of the legitimacy of your salvation. Instead, the Bible in Jesus here in Mark 4 says, those who are in the kingdom give evidence of their citizenship by bearing fruit in their lives. It's not a mere profession, but production of fruit that gives us confidence in knowing that we are a true follower of Jesus Christ. And so if we understand that from Jesus' parable on the soils, that it's fruit production that really matters, It should beg the question from us then, what type of fruit do I need to produce? What is it that I can look for in my life to give evidence that I am a child of God? Or to use it in the the language of Jesus in the parable of the sower, the soils. If it's the word of God that's at work, that produces fruit, how should the word of God be working in me and shaping my life? Some of you have planted gardens recently. You went out there and you prepared the soil and you took the seed and you planted your tomato plants and then you planted your okra plants and your peas and then your corn and your zucchini. 
And as you went down those rows, you planted uh, a pea seed, and in that spot, you're expecting peas to be produced. And on the zucchini aisle, when you planted the zucchini seed, you're expecting zucchini to be produced. And likewise, for tomatoes and corn and okra, the seed that you put in the ground will determine the fruit that comes up. Jesus says it's the same way in the spiritual kingdom of God, that if the word of God has been planted in you, And James tells us to receive the implanted word with meekness, that if you have listened well, and remember, that's what Jesus said, we must listen, we must have ears to hear. You're receiving the word of God, you're listening to the word of God is of eternal importance. Each Sunday when we gather in here and the word of God is is proclaimed, eternal significance hangs in the balance. Jesus says, be careful how you listen. Because how you listen will determine if you receive the word of God. And if you have received that word, that seed has gone into your heart, there's some fruit that's going to come out of that. Some particular fruits that will be evident. And that's what Jesus gives us in our text this morning. In these verses, he gives us four short, succinct parables to reveal to his followers the type of fruit that the word of God will produce in their lives. So this morning, I want us to examine this fruit, and my prayer is that you'll examine your life as well to see, is this fruit evident in my life, thereby confirming that the Word of God has been planted into my heart, thereby letting me know that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. If there is no fruit, there is no seed, and if there is no seed, there's no access into the kingdom. That's how it connects. So let's listen to these parables. Let's look at them once more and consider the fruit that Jesus gives us. First of all, fruit number one, or evidence number one, if you will. The evidence that the word of God is at work in the lives of those who hear well is that they will be a bold witness for Christ. They will be a bold witness for Christ. This is verses 21 through 23. This is the first parable that Jesus gives to us, and it's it's pretty understandable In verse 21, Jesus says to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? We we can understand what Jesus is saying here. You don't light a lamp and then cover it up. You don't light a lamp and stick it underneath a box. No, you, you light a lamp so that light can radiate and fill the room. You, you, you light a lamp so that you can You can see what's going on. Jesus is here in this very simple parable speaking to his followers, letting them know that if you're going to be my follower, you're going to be a faithful witness of me. Now, what's interesting here in our English translation of Mark giving us this parable of Jesus is that he uses the indefinite article, or our translations use the indefinite article. It has Jesus saying, is a lamp. Now, this parable is recorded by Matthew and Luke as well, the Synoptic Gospels, and they render it that same way because that's how they wrote it down in their manuscripts that we have. But Mark writes it differently. Now, the English translations that we read from, they don't render it this way, although I think that they should. But what Jesus actually said, or what Mark recorded that Jesus said here, is not, is a lamp brought in and put under a basket or under a bed? but rather is the lamp. Jesus uses not an indefinite article, but a definite article. It's the difference between the and a. 
A, just any ordinary lamp. Any ordinary lamp like you would find in any home in Jesus' culture at that time. A little terracotta bowl with some oil in it that had a floating wick that they would light. And they had shelves around the, the rooms in their houses. They would place them on those shelves and they would fill up the room with light. Jesus says it's not just any lamp like that, but Jesus says the lamp. And using the definite article, I believe Jesus is referring to himself because he is, after all, the light of the world. And John tells us that the light and the life of men has shined into the darkness. Jesus here is saying that if you are my follower and my word is at work within you, then you're going to let the light of Christ shine through you. You're not going to cover it up. You're not going to keep it concealed. You're going to make me known. In verse 22, Jesus gives us some explanation of this simple parable about a lamp. He says, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light. Now we heard this language of mystery and secret last Sunday as we looked at the parable of the soil. And I shared with you then that Jesus is the secret. Jesus is the mystery, the mystery of the gospel. But Jesus here tells us that 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 which was hidden in the Old Testament has now been made revealed here in the New Testament. With his coming, with his arrival, it has been made manifest. And that which is once a secret has now come to to the fullness of the light. He's to be made known. So here's what Jesus is saying. That if the word of God is at work within you, it's going to lead you to being a witness of him. We're to be light in a world that's darkness. Paul would write to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 2. Uh, He tells us there to do everything without grumbling and complaining, to live blameless and innocent lives so that we can shine like lights in darkness. We're to be witnesses. So let me ask you a question this morning. Are you letting the light of Jesus Christ shine through you? Can the world see the light of Christ in your life and how you live? Are you making known the secret and the mystery of the gospel? Is Christ shining through you to others? Are you a bold witness for Jesus? This is one of the evidences of a person becoming a child of God, of having access into the kingdom of God, because the word of God is at work in their hearts. They will therefore be a light shining for Jesus in this world. They'll be a bold witness. That's evidence number one. That's fruit, number one, that comes from a heart that has the Word of God planted in it. Secondly, Jesus tells us in verses 24 and 25 that the Word will work within us to give us a spiritual drive. A spiritual drive. Jesus gives another short parable here, perhaps not quite as easily understood as the first, but but nevertheless makes a, a, a powerful point Verse 24, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. Again, we hear Jesus reiterating this over and over again. Be careful how you hear the word. Listen carefully to the word, to the message of the gospel. Pay attention to what you hear. Why? Because with the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What is Jesus getting at here? Well, Jesus uses the word measure there. It's where we get our our word meter from. 
And in Jesus' day, it would refer to a basket uh, that would be used to contain uh, goods and, and, and particular uh, items, sometimes agricultural items. Uh, we can think maybe perhaps of a, a bushel basket. But that basket would be filled based upon the effort that a person would exert in going about doing their, their work, their labor. And Jesus says, the measure that you put forth, the effort that you use, it will be measured to you. What's he talking about? Well, Jesus here, I believe, is speaking in a parable about the rewards that will come for those who are laboring for the kingdom. Jesus is here telling us that if the word of God is at work within us, it's going to produce a spiritual drive within us to labor for the kingdom of God, to put forth spiritual effort for him. I think one of the things that we forget as followers of Jesus Christ is that there's a judgment day that's coming for us as well. Now we rejoice and we thank God that we will not be judged for our sins. Our sins have been paid for fully, sufficiently, and finally by what Jesus Christ has done at the cross. Never will we stand in judgment for any sin that we have committed. Christ has covered those by his blood. However, the New Testament is clear that one day believers will stand before God and they will be judged on the effort and the energy and the exertion that they gave for the kingdom of God, for the works that they did for God. And the Bible tells us that there are rewards to be gained or there are rewards to be lost. Paul would write to Timothy uh, at the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, knowing that this would be the final communication he would have with him, knowing that he didn't have much longer to live upon this earth, he would say, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith, I have fought the good fight, therefore there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, but not only to me, but to all of those who love his appearing. When Paul uses the language there, crown of righteousness, he's referring to a reward that will be given to those who labor well, who serve well, who finish the course well. Let me remind us today that it matters what we do for the kingdom of God. That it matters the energy and the effort and the measure that we put forth for the kingdom. Jesus says here, well, whatever measure you use, that measure will be repaid to you. You labor well, you do well, more will be added to you. And then in verse 25, he lets us know, for to the one who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I think in that verse, Jesus is speaking of those that he referenced in the parable of the soils, particularly the second and the third soil, the shallow soil and the crowded soil that these are those who, who give some evidence at the beginning, perhaps, that they are true followers of Jesus Christ. They think that they have something. But on that day when they stand before him, what they think they have will be taken from them. Jesus said, many on that day he will look at and say to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. But for the child of God, in which the word of God has been planted into their heart, which they have received well, a spiritual drive is produced. The Apostle Paul writes about this several times in the New Testament. Paul, when he writes to the believers in Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, as he's giving them his heart, his desire for his ministry regarding them, he says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Do you hear the connection there? 
Paul says, I give it everything that I've got. I'm toiling, I'm laboring, I'm hard at it, and I'm doing it with the energy that God is supplying within me. When the Word of God is at work in the child of God, the child of God will get about the work of God. There's an energy, there's a drive, there's a desire. Paul would write in Romans that he has a holy ambition to make the name of Christ known. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul brings these two things together. The Word of God, the grace of God, and the work that that produces in the child of God. Listen to what he writes, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. Meaning God's grace wasn't empty in my life. It wasn't in vain. It it brought about production. It brought about fruit. Now listen to what the fruit is that Paul gives us here. Listen to Paul's argument that the grace of God is not in vain in his life. His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Do you hear Paul's argument? The word of God and the grace of God had worked in the life of this man who hated Christians. It changed him. It was planted in him. And the evidence of that that was born out in his life is that the grace of God led him to work hard for the kingdom of God. There was a spiritual drive placed within him, a measure, an effort, an exertion that was put out on Paul's behalf through the Spirit and the grace of God, empowering him to work in the kingdom of God. Let me say it to you this way. That if you're not laboring in the kingdom of God, if you're not laboring in the kingdom of God, it's evidence that there has been no grace of God wrought in your life. And therefore, you are not a child of God. Let me say that again. If you are not laboring in the kingdom of God, if there's not a spiritual drive within you, a holy ambition within you, to say, we've got to do something for the master. We've got to be busy for the master. I've got to use my gifts. I've got to serve the kingdom. I've got to serve the church. I've got to serve my Savior. If that's not in your life, it's evidence that the grace of God is in vain in your life, and therefore, you're not a child of God. Again, this whole passage here is about what's the fruit that's born? What's the evidence that I can look to that can give me confidence to know that I am, in fact, a child of God? And one of them is you'll have a spiritual drive. The Holy Spirit in you, working in you, is going to say, we've got to be about the business of the kingdom. There's a spiritual drive. Secondly, or third, excuse me. Not only is there a bold witness and a spiritual drive, but third, the fruit of a faithful walk is evidence. The fruit of a faithful walk. This is verses 26 through 29. Jesus gives another parable. This time he says, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. I I love Jesus. I love Jesus for all kinds of reasons. All the obvious ones, and then some perhaps sometimes that maybe aren't quite so obvious. But one of the things I love about Jesus is he seemed to be a very practical man. In verses 1 through 20, Jesus gave us a very practical parable about a farmer that went about scattering seed. And here we are just a few verses later, and Jesus says, that's pretty good. 
I'm going to use it again. And so he gives this parable about a farmer once more going about scattering seed on the ground. We saw this last Sunday, broadcasting seed. It's a picture of one who is in the kingdom, sowing the gospel, doing the work of the kingdom. Everywhere he goes, he's always busy, always sharing, shining the light, driven uh, by the Holy Spirit. He says the kingdom of God is like that. When Jesus uses language of the kingdom of God there, he's referring to where the rule of God is recognized. Those who have submitted and surrendered their lives to the authority of God, repented of their sins, have been brought into a right relationship with him. They're in the kingdom of God, and that's like a man scattering seed on the ground. Jesus says he's like a farmer going about his business. In verse 27, he gives us an understanding of what that looks like. He says, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. All throughout Scripture, we find the illustration of a farmer in relation to spiritual work and how appropriate it is. I can tell you this about a farmer, and some of you know this because you grew up on farms or you've worked on farms. There's no off day in farming. Every day you farm, Sunday through Saturday. The farm never ceases. The operation never stops. When we pastored in North Carolina for a few years, we were in a largely uh, agricultural community. Farms, uh, 1,000-acre-plus farms. We had multiple farmers in the church. And every Sunday even, before they would gather for their small group classes and their worship, they had already been out on the farm. They'd already been out checking the crops. They'd already been out checking the animals. They never take a day off. Sun up, sun down, repeat. Sun up, sun down, repeat. Well, it's a picture here of a faithful walk for a child of God. If the Word of God is at work in the child of God, if it's been planted in our hearts, it will produce a faithful walk. That faithful walk is borne out in two ways here in this short parable uh, that Jesus gives us. First of all, it's our responsibility, our human responsibility. We do our part. The Christian does his part. We strive to seek to live a life that is worthy of the gospel. We engage ourselves in the spiritual disciplines. Day after day, night after night, never ceasing, we're consistent. We do our part. I believe one of the most important things about a Christian is their consistency. Day in and day out, walking with Jesus. Day in and day out, not giving up. Day in and day out, consistency. Paul would write in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 9, that we should not grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in doing good. Keep at it, stay at it, because if we don't faint in due season, we'll reap a harvest. Just stay consistent. Just be consistent. Be like the farmer who never takes a day off. You get up, you go about it, you go to bed. You get up, you go about it, you go to bed. And then in the midst of your responsibility, you can rest in divine sovereignty. This is what Jesus says. You fulfill your responsibility and then you trust in God's sovereignty. I love what Jesus says here about the farmer. He does his duty. He sows the seed, he tills the ground, he watches over the crops, but yet he still goes to bed every night. And while he's laying down at bed at night, he knows not how that crop produces. 
He didn't make that happen. He can't make that happen. Every farmer you know will tell you that all they can do is put the seed in the ground, and that's as, as much as they can do. They can, they, can, they can put it in the ground and care for it, and what, but they can't make it grow. It's here that we realize a faithful walk is contingent upon our responsibility and then God's sovereignty. Jesus says the grain, the earth produces its by itself, the blade, the ear, the full grain in the ear. This is a picture of God working, sometimes in ways that we can't comprehend, mysterious to us, but known to him. A faithful walk will trust in God's sovereign plan. Paul, in writing to, 1 Corinthians, uh, to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, as is, is some fractions were developing within the church, some people were saying, well, I was baptized by Apollos, or I was saved under the preaching of Paul. Paul says, what are you guys doing? He says, what is Apollos and what is Paul? We're simply servants through whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. Paul says, we were just fulfilling our responsibility in the kingdom. We were just doing what we were called and told to do, faithful day after day. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but you've got to know it's God who gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God. A faithful walk for a child of God in which the word of God is working is one in which we will be consistent in our responsibility, but then recognize God's sovereignty and say, you, oh God, get all the glory. It's you. It's you and it's you alone. As we serve faithfully, as we serve consistently, and as God works sometimes mysteriously, what we come to realize is that a harvest will result. Verse 29, Jesus said, but the grain will get ripe. And when that happens, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Can I tell you today, child of God, don't give up. Keep at it. Stay the course. Stay in the fight. Hold on to Jesus. Don't stop. Remain consistent because if you will, in God's sovereign timing, the harvest will come. It will happen. Hear me. It may not happen in this time. It may not happen here and now, but it may be then and there, but I'm telling you, it will be worth it. A child of God in whom the word of God is at work will have a faithful walk, understanding their responsibility in God's sovereignty. And then fourthly, the word works within us to give us a heavenly competence, a heavenly competence. This is verses 30 through 34. And he said, another parable, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? He said, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. This last parable here, Jesus draws the attention of his audience to a little bit of seed, a mustard seed. Some of you probably have seen mustard seeds. You know how tiny and minuscule that they are. Jesus here describes it as the smallest of all the seeds on earth. In Jesus' culture, it was the smallest seed that would be planted in the garden. Nothing tinier. 
But Jesus said, when you take that tiny mustard seed and you sow it in the ground, and when it takes root and it springs up, what you have is a tree that will stand 15 feet high and branches that will go nearly as far. That little seed becomes large enough that birds from everywhere in the air can come and make their nest and find a refuge in it. Jesus says, that's like the kingdom of God. He's looking at his followers and he's saying, I know what you're thinking. I get you. I'm Joe the carpenter's son from Nazareth. And you're a ragtag group of men. And we seem insignificant and minuscule. We seem out of the way. We, we seem like we're absolutely nothing in the eyes of the world, but I want you to know the mission will not fail. That just like that mustard seed that's small when it's placed in the ground, oh, it may have a small beginning with just a few, but you guys, you're going to take this message and you're going to preach it to the ends of the earth. And look where we are today. Oh, the gospel has gone out and multitudes, millions have heard and believed and their lives have been changed for all eternity. Like the mustard seed that gives branches that stretch far and wide, the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth and scores have come to find a refuge in Jesus Christ as Savior. Oh, Jesus here in this parable about the grain of a mustard seed is reminding us that the mission of the kingdom of God will succeed. It will be accomplished. And for the child of God in whom the word of God is working, that leads us to a heavenly confidence. I don't know how you are sometimes, but I see the news. I hear the reports. I see what's going on. And it's easy to get discouraged, isn't it? It's easy to think, man, is there any hope? Is this ever going to change? Will things ever be different? Jesus says, think about what the mustard seed does. His mission will be accomplished. The Word of God will work in the child of God to give them a confidence. Jesus gives them that parable. And then Mark gives us some closing comments in verses 33 and 34. He says, with many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately in his own disciple. To his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the believer's confidence right here. I told the service, the first service this morning, I said, if, if I could have a time machine and go anywhere, there's several places in Scripture that I'd want to go to. One is Luke 24. I, I want to be there with Jesus and the disciples on the Emmaus Road. I want to hear Jesus preach that message from the Old Testament, all things concerning himself. I want to hear that. I want to walk with them and experience that. But one of the other places that I would go to is right here in Mark chapter 4 and verse 34. Can you imagine what his disciples had? Jesus is speaking to the crowds. He's giving them these parables. You don't light a lamp and cover it up. You, you measure, and it'll be measured to you. Uh, it's like a farmer sowing seed. He sleeps. He rises. He don't know how it happens. It's like the kingdom of God and a grain of a mustard seed. Suddenly, it's huge, and birds are everywhere. And the crowds are going, huh? And Jesus gets his disciples to himself. He says, let me tell you about it. 
Remember last Sunday? Jesus is the secret. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the mystery. Here he is once more giving explanation and understanding to his disciples. And man, we see that and we think about that and we picture that in our minds and we go, man, how privileged those people were. Maybe you've even said that as well. Man, if I could be these people here in Mark 4 and have Jesus right there with me, this thing would be a whole lot easier. Hear me this morning. You're no less privileged than they are. Because what Jesus has done for his disciples here in Mark 4, 34, his spirit is for you today. He dwells within you. The child of God who has received the word of God and that word is working within them means the spirit of God dwells within them and therefore they have access to Jesus. They have the spirit of Christ with them, illuminating God's word, guiding and directing them in this life, giving them understanding. You have that today. So let your confidence be settled. Let your confidence be sure. In these four parables, Jesus has given us a picture, no pun intended, but he's given us a picture of what the Word of God does in the life of a child of God. It leads to us being a bold witness. It creates a spiritual drive within us. It produces a faithful walk, and it instills a heavenly confidence. And so today, as you think about your spiritual life, What you're looking for is the production of fruit. Do you see this fruit hanging in your spiritual limbs? Do you see evidence that the Word of God is at work in you as a child of God? That you're bearing fruit? Maybe maybe it's a wee little bit, but it's there at least. It's there. It gives evidence that the Word of God has been planted in your heart. But this is what Jesus calls us to look for. This is the consideration that he places before. And it's what I give you this morning. And I end with what Jesus calls us to repeatedly. If you have ears to hear, hear it well. If you have ears to hear this morning, hear what Jesus is saying. For how you receive the word will determine if the word will work in you this morning. Let's pray.